Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. <laughs> Mikey, how are you, buddy? Oh, man. So, morning, everyone. I remember when Mike slept in his jag in our driveway. <laughs> wonderful to see you. Um, so wonderful to get to know Johanna Marilise better. And uh, we have just deep, deep affection for this church. And uh, we, we love the heart of this church, the resilient, sacrificial, faithful heart of this church. And it's wonderful to make new friends and reacquaint ourselves with old friends who are really family. And uh, what a privilege to be with you today and to be able to share with you. If I can just quickly introduce my family and my team. We're with a team from Southlands. You guys mind just standing up quick? Um, so this is Renell, my wife. Celebrated 25 years of marriage this uh, year. This is uh, Asha, my man-child. Uh, Sophia and Levi, our kids. And uh, then Kirk and Mandy, they are on staff on, on Elship with us. And then Matt and, and Adri are with us. They oversee our prayer. And it's wonderful to just be traveling with them. So thank you so much for your warmth, your generosity, your hospitality. And, uh, you know, whenever we come here, my heart is so full of emotion, uh, of memory. And I try and steel myself against sentimentalism because that's not going to be helpful to you. But I will try and um, tell some stories of what God uh, has done as I, as I talk. We led between 2003 and 2008. So it was only five years, but for Renelle and I, it was really a, a forming time. Um, and we so often say, if we hadn't spent time here leading LRC, America would have eaten us up and spat us out. So uh, we're grateful for what God did through us, but more grateful for what God did in us through teaming with you. And we are eternally grateful for our partnership in the gospel with you. I want to talk about prayer this morning. Uh, from an obscure little passage in Joshua 15. And uh, we're going to talk about the daughter of Caleb, a lady called Axa, and her husband Othniel. And uh, it's really a parable of prayer. Um, I remember coming here in 2003, I, I was a worship leader. Hello, Eddie at the back. Great to see you. Um, and uh, I think I knew how to worship, but uh, this church taught us how to pray. And I know that you are still a praying church, but sometimes you just have to take a muscle and say, hey, let's make sure that muscle just continues to grow and strengthen. So I'm not assuming that you don't pray. But uh, I remember very early on when we came to LLC, uh, London Road had these big hijack hotspots signs. And it was a real problem. Uh, because people didn't really want to come here because of the hijack hotspot. How many of you guys remember that? And uh, I remember leading a kind of a prayer walk down onto London Road just to say, Lord, won't you redeem this turnoff and this road for your glory? And uh, just praying, I remember Asher was, uh, he was about three or four sitting on top of my shoulders, and we were just praying at the top of our lungs, uh, praying in English, praying in Zulu, both my wife and I are Zulu teachers by, by training, and uh, we love being able to come back and speak Zulu. It's not as good as it was back in the day. But um, 
and uh, but we were praying in tongues too, just just praying. And uh, long story short, actually, very soon after that, the hijack hotspot spot signs came down, which was a wonderful thing. Um, and uh, God is so faithful. But I remember having a having a conversation with Asher and um, Rennell very soon after that, and he said. Uh, Mom, Dad, what was that funny language you guys were play, praying in? He was about four at that time. And we, were, we, we explained to him about 1 Corinthians 14, this gift of tongues, which is a, is a language. Not everyone necessarily has it, but the Spirit gives it. Uh, so that when we don't know what to pray, we've run out of things to say, we can pray with our spirits. And he said, oh, that's good. I got a bit of tongues. <laughs> and, and it was an amazing thing. As we were just praying to the Lord, asking Him to redeem uh, this area for His glory, the Spirit came upon my, my son, and he was filled with the Spirit. We, we weren't asking for that, but God does just a mysterious and amazing things in the place of prayer, doesn't He? Uh, and you'd think that prayer is such a natural thing, but very, very few of us find it natural, right? It's, it's hard. I mean, prayer is the language of faith, the language of the Christian, and yet it's, it's, it's not an easy thing, and we tend to outsource prayer to the experts. I remember being in here first or second year, and a family came through, and uh, came, and they had a, a sick son, and, and, and the father came and said, uh, you're the priest here, aren't you? And I said, no, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not the priest. I'm, I'm a leader here. He said, well, won't you throw up a prayer to the big guy upstairs, because I know he hears you for my son. And I, I remember just stopping. I was standing right there, and I said, actually, I will, but do you know the Lord hears, hears you? The Lord hears you. The Lord hears you because of Jesus. You pray in Jesus' name. And our, our tendency is to want to outsource prayer to those that we think God listens to. But actually, God wants to stir our hearts to recognize that He is a gracious and generous Father who loves it when we pray. Amen? So Joshua 15, just three little verses. This is the word of the Lord. Caleb said, Whoever strikes Kiriath Sephir and captures it, to him will I give Aksa, my daughter, as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kinaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it. And when she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she got off her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Give me a blessing, since you have given me the land of the Negev. Give me also the springs of water. And he gave her the upper and lower springs. An obscure little passage, a parable of prayer for us. And you know, when we see a picture of families in the Bible, this is a picture of a family, a father, a daughter, a son-in-law. We are invited to learn from these pictures of families in the Bible to learn a little bit of what it's like to be sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. Remember Jesus in Luke 11, he invited us uh, to think about how we think about our kids. Not everyone has kids, but if you are a mom and dad, you know, there's nothing like it when a human calls you dad or mom. Nothing like it. And Jesus in Luke 11 says, you then being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the Father in heaven want to give you the Holy Spirit when you ask. In other words, he invites us to look at the families in the Bible, even the families here, 
where as moms and dads, even though we're broken and sinful, he's saying, think of the hearts that you have for your kids. That's a little glimpse of the heart that the father has for his kids. And so in this passage, we're invited to look at the heart that Caleb has for his daughter and new son. And so that's just a little glimpse of the heart the father has for his kids. Is that that clear? And some of you are going, ah, that's a stretch, Alan. You're overreaching. I've never heard a sermon on this, but I've read a commentary. And one of my heroes, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, says this about this passage. He says, this brief account of a family appears twice in the Bible. It's Joshua and Judges. And I believe, he says, that it is for good reason. It gives us a potent insight into the dynamics of prayer. So I'm not smoking my socks here. Here is a picture of an earthly father called Caleb who gives a good gift to his children as they ask. God invites us to investigate the nature of their asking and the nature of his giving to give us a glimpse into the dynamics of prayer. So I want to talk to you about asking like AXA. AXA is, is a picture of us, and actually more than that, she, she, she's a picture of Christ. She's a type of Christ. Now, if I had lost my South African accent, I would say asking like AXA, but I have kept it. Every time I try and speak American, my wife says, stop it, that sounds ridiculous. Uh, so asking like AXA. What is it to ask like AXA? What can we investigate and learn from this wonderful woman into the dynamics of prayer? A brief context. Let's remember the context because I've just parachuted into Joshua 15. What's the context? Remember the context was Moses sends 12 spies into Canaan. Remember that? And there are giants in the land, but there are also giant grapes. So giant, in fact, that they have to carry these grapes on a big pole between two shoulders. And they come back, and all 12 spies say, there are giant grapes, just look at these things. And Moses is just like, this is amazing, Canaan's amazing. But 10 of the 12 say, no, but they're not just giant grapes, they are giants. And they are going to flatten us. And the 10 spies melted with fear and caused almost everyone else to melt with fear, except for two, Joshua and Caleb. Moses said they had a different spirit. And they said, yes, there's giants, but surely the Lord helping us can take us in. And from that time on, you never, ever hear of the 10 spies that melted with fear, but you hear of Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua led the charge for the next 45 years, Caleb as his aide. Joshua 15 is after they've taken all of this conquest, Caleb comes to his buddy. He's 85. They were 45 when they first led Israel in. And he says, look, Josh, I am as strong today as I was 40 years ago. I'm 85. I'm as strong today as I was 45 years ago. Now give me my hill country. And Joshua is just this open-handed leader. And he says, sure, thanks, Caleb. You've been amazing. You've been an amazing aide. Take Hebron. And he gives him Hebron. And Joshua 15 is Caleb, this 85-year-old giant slayer, just you know, taking prisoners and slaying giants and taking over cities. And then he reaches this one city, Joshua 15, Kiriath Sefer, which means the city of writing. And it's too strong for him. We don't know why. There must, must be a giant that's too big. It's too strong. He just says, man, I've been giant slaying, but actually I need someone else. Before we go on to prayer, can I just say, I was, I was sitting here in prayer this morning thinking in LRC, 
who could be qualified as the Caleb generation? I don't think there are any 85-year-olds here. Are there? Jill. Jill, you're a young 85. But I was asking Lainey, I was asking Nikki, who, who here has been fighting for inheritance, giant slaying for around 20 years? And I, I just want to say, man, to you, Caleb's men and women who have faithfully, sacrificially continued the fight in and out of season, through transitions, through the ebbs and flows and the highs and lows, thank you. Thank you. I think of Jill. I think of Andy and Dell. Think of Terry and Laney. I think of Sean. Now your wife. Think of Simeon. It's, it's not all older people. I, I think of Simeon. You, you guys have all been here around 20 years, giant slaying. I think of Nikki. Think of Trevor and Syl. Think of Sue Hope Bailey. I don't know if she's here. Think of Fran. Fran, it must be almost 20 years. Is it? Think of Jill. I think of Guy and Yvonne. I think of Peter Ellis. I, I hope I'm not leaving out some names, but thank you. <laughs> thank you, Caleb Generation. Can we give it up for these people? In and out of season, every church, every family of God that's going to come into its inheritance is not just the young that fight. It's the Caleb Generation that, that, that say, I'm still as strong. Now, you know that you're not as strong. You don't have as much energy. Your bones feel a little weaker, your, your, your muscles feel a little bit weaker. But Caleb had this kind of virility of spirit that said, it's not like we fought then and now we're settling for the next generation to come through. There was a next generation. He reached a city that was too strong for him. He needed a younger man, Othniel, but he was still fighting. And can I just say, those couples and others that have been here in and out of season, through transitions, highs and lows, ebbs and flows, thank you. And this church needs you to keep fighting. It's a multi-generational church. All of us fighting our battles brings a church into, into its inheritance. And so he reaches this place where Othniel, the son-in-law, puts up his hand. And it's actually Caleb's brother's son. And he says, no, no, I will I'll slay this giant and take this city. And he does. And he gets Caleb's daughter's hand in marriage, Aksa. And the story picks up. Now we're going to learn about prayer. The story picks up where they've had their wedding, and it seems like they're opening their post-honeymoon wedding gifts, right? How many of you remember, man, the honeymoon's great, but actually getting back and opening up, making home, finding all these wedding gifts? And they have this conversation where Axa says to Othniel, ask dad for land. Ask dad for a dowry. Ask dad for a a wedding gift, and it seems like Othniel is reluctant because he has earned the girl by taking a city. And now he's like, well, on what basis should I ask him? And I don't blame him because Caleb is this iconic kind of grumpy giant slayer. He must have been a scary dad-in-law. And Othniel is just like, no ways, man. I earned you. On what basis am I going to ask him for land? I've just got you now. Now you want to ask, ask him for the farm? No way. What does it teach us? I mean, it teaches us negativity about prayer, but essentially it teaches us that asking, asking the Father is based not on our goodness, but on His. See, Othniel reminds me of the kind of person that is 
earned God's blessing, earned God's favor, and now he's in a place where it was like, there's nothing I can bring, so I'm just going to stop asking. And AXA is this type of Christ that says, no, no, no. Yeah, the father is a giant slayer, but not a grumpy one. He's a gracious, generous one. He's much more gracious and generous than, 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 than you know. He didn't bless you because you earned it. He blessed you because he's good. And in fact, he blessed it because I, Jesus, earned it. You see, the spirit of adoption, Othniel thinks he's the son-in-law. And essentially, Axel is saying, you're not the son-in-law. You are the son. Ask my father. My father is your father. You see, when the disciples, if, if, if we see this as a parable of prayer and Axel as a type of Christ, when the disciples said to Jesus, Luke 11, we're tired of watching you have this amazing prayer life. Teach us to pray. He starts by saying, when you pray, say, our father. Now, that, that's kind of a religious thing. We said it in assemblies growing up. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Da, da, da. No, no, no. Stop with those first two words, our Father. Do you realize how ridiculously amazing those two words are? Jesus is saying, my Father is your Father. Think of Jesus on the cross, crying out before he said it is finished. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only time recorded in the gospel that Jesus did not call God Abba, Father. There was one moment, my God, my God, a different name. It's a very formal name. It's the word Elohim. In that moment, it's like the Father hid his face from Jesus because Jesus was covered in our sin, covered in our brokenness, covered in our shame, and he was forsaken by his Father. He couldn't call him Father. He had to call him Elohim, God. Why? Because he was opening up the family circle for you and I to be adopted. That's the beautiful exchange of the cross. And we see it reaffirmed in Jesus' resurrection where Mary comes and clings to him in his resurrection. She says, he says, no, 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 Mary, don't cling to me. I am going to my father and your father. You see, I love the fact that the cross won us forgiveness. The big word is justification. That actually we stand justified even though we sinned, we're forgiven. But John Stott says this, it's a marvelous thing that Jesus' death justified us, forgave us, but it's an even more magnificent thing that God the, God the judge justified us, even more magnificent thing that God the Father adopted us. Adoption is the crown jewel of the gospel. And some of us have understood justification, but not adoption. And friends, the spirit of adoption is the spirit of prayer. Where we come to say, like that old hymn, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. The problem is very often we pray in our name. So, okay, oh man, I've had a good week. I tithed. I didn't watch porn. I came to pray on time, so I'm praying in my name. Okay, God, I, I, I've kind of earned your voice. But the problem is most of us don't have weeks like that all the time. And so when we have weeks where we feel like we've sinned terribly or have not done what we should have done, we stop praying. Because you know what? We're not praying in Jesus' name. We're praying in our name. When we pray, we pray not on the basis of our good name, but on the basis of Jesus' good name. We have been adopted, not because we've earned it, but because he earned it. Amen? And I tell you what, when we get that deep in our heart, even on those bad weeks, we will still come to the Father and say, oh, Father, I'm sorry. I, I, I cannot earn your voice, but thank you that Jesus did. 
second little lesson is that the, the posture of asking is grateful insistence. The posture of asking is grateful insistence. Oh, man, I'm just going to go back to the first point just very quickly. Don't worry. I'm, I'm timing myself. I'll be done in 35. How many of you <laughs> uh, have watched that, that show? Well, I mean, it's, it's so long. We started watching it here. I, I'm very reluctant to talk about American shows, but this was a big deal in South Africa growing up. Seinfeld. Any of you? Seinfeld? When we got to America in 2008, we didn't have a credit score, so we couldn't get a TV license even. So Renella and I just went, well, uh, what's going to make us kind of feel familiar? And so we went and got the DVD box set of Seinfeld. And so if you haven't watched Seinfeld, it was just a classic kind of sitcom growing up. And Seinfeld now is older. He's got so much money. He just does this thing where he drives around. It's called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. It's on Netflix. Any of you watched it? Okay, a few of you. It's, it's fantastic. He just, he owns a lot of cars and, and he matches the car to the comedian and he picks up the car in the, the, the comedian in the car and goes and gets coffee and interviews. So Seinfeld is interviewing Kramer. Let's, let's try and get that, that photo up there if, if it's there. If it's not there, it's okay. There? You remember that? Remember that? Kramer with the wild hair, the crazy eyes. And, and, and he picks him up and they start like reminiscing about the good old days of Seinfeld. And then Kramer starts to unpackage his soul. And turns out that seven years ago, he lost it on a comedy stage. And the crowd was heckling him. He lost it and he started just to insult the crowd, like racial slurs, even anti-Semitic slurs. And he lost his career. You can YouTube it. In fact, you shouldn't YouTube it. It's brutal. And Seinfeld, who's a Jewish man, just starts to really like minister to his friend. And he just says, Kramer, that was terrible, but it's done. He says, you've been carrying this bag that's disqualified you. He says, Kramer, put the bag down. There's this moment I just start crying. I was just like, 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 Seinfeld is a picture of Jesus. Jesus is the true and better Seinfeld. Jesus says to us when we feel like we've done something that's disqualified us and causes the father to block his ears, to say, put the bag down. You have not disqualified yourself. Jesus has qualified you. Amen? The posture of prayer is grateful insistence. She says, and she got off her donkey, and Caleb said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, give me a blessing. Since you've given me the land of the Negev, give me also springs of living water. There's a mysterious missing piece in this narrative where it seems like Othniel is very reluctant to ask the father for land. And we don't even know if they did. We just know land has been given. And so we can assume that Caleb is actually just gracious and generous. He might be a giant slayer, but he's a gracious, generous giant slayer because He's given land, whether they asked or not. And the beautiful thing about prayer, Jesus teaches, the Father even knows what you need before you ask it. So well, why should I pray then? Well, well, prayer is a declaration of dependence upon the Father. And we see her riding towards her dad on this donkey and getting off her donkey. Prayer is getting off your donkey. It's a declaration of humility and dependence. It's like she's saying, look, I've got a warrior husband. 
I've just been given land. I've even got a donkey, but it's not enough for us to thrive in this land. And she gets off her donkey and she goes low. Friends, prayer is saying, Father, whatever you've given me, thank you, but it's not enough. It's a declaration of dependence. And there was something about her posture that made Caleb know she's coming to ask me for something. Because before, before she even asks, he says, what do you want? How many of us know with kids? I mean, it's an amazing thing when our kids call us dad and mom. But sometimes there's that posture or, you know, they, they might come to you with a cup of tea. And you just know, like, something's going on. Or, or even the tone in their voice, dad, mom. You know it, kids. I still do it to my mom and dad. Mom, dad. There's something about her posture that's it's humble, but it's insistent. And she says this. Since you have given me the land of the Negeb, give me also springs of living water. Friends, that is something of the heart of prayer. It's actually gratitude. Since you've given me this, won't you also give me this? Now, some of you can say, but, but that, that sounds like entitlement. That sounds like discontentment. It's like, come on, man, you've just got the farm. Now you're asking for something else. But it's actually not. It is great contentment. Let's, let's, let's think about, let's say I give Johanna a car. And Johan comes to me and says, hey, Alan, thanks for that Ford Explorer. Since you've given me the Ford Explorer, won't you give me the keys? You wouldn't say, ungrateful discontent. No, you would say, yeah, right. To, to thrive in that car, you need the keys. Let's say Lainey drops her iPhone. You got an iPhone, Lainey? No. Uh, she drops her phone. And I give her kind of a bit of a downgrade phone. And it's like, this is all I got, but, but here we go. And she's like, thank you, man. Since you've given me this phone, can I get the charger? I mean, this thing's so old, I don't even know if anyone stocks this charger, but uh, I wouldn't say, you ungrateful so-and-so. I would actually say, she's stewarding that gift well. There's a gratitude since, but there's an insistence. Since you've given me the land of the Negev, give me also springs of living water. What, what is the land of the Negev? The land of the Negev is another word for the Negev desert which literally means the rolling hills of the parched land. This was not a fertile farm. So she said, Dad, thank you for the rolling hills of the parched land. Since you've given me the rolling hills of the parched land, won't you also give me springs of living water? I love this because she's honest about what she's been given. It's not fertile. She knows unless there's water, she's going to die. She and her husband are going to die in that thing. But she's still thanking God for it. And she's saying, please, won't you give me the key to unlocking fertility in this thing? I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. I want to ask you, what is your Negeb? What is your rolling hills of the parched land? I don't know. I mean, honestly, it might be your job or might be unemployment. It might be your family situation. Perhaps it's like a, an emotional scar or wound that, that you're carrying just from childhood. Lord, I mean, you've given me this family that I grew, grew up in, and thank you, but actually I'm wounded from that. It might be 
loneliness. It might be that you've lost a loved one. It could be your boss. It could be your neighbor. It could be your bank balance or lack thereof. It could be your intellect. It could be your gifting where you're just going, Lord, you've given me this, and it's a little bit like the rolling hills with the parched land. Any of you feel like that ever? Come on now. Don't be so Pentecostal that you can't get honest. Because, I, you know, often, like, if, if we dishonest, people say, how are you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed, brother. And inside, we're actually like, no, I'm actually in the rolling hills of the parched land, to be honest. And the problem is, if we don't trust the goodness of the Father, we like those people that get a wedding gift that we go, oh, my gosh, another set of dishcloths. I'm going to re-gift these. Honestly, have you ever re-gifted something that you got? I have. The problem is we re-gifted it to someone who gave it to us. It was very, very bad. Very bad. Never do that again. But we're like, oh, Lord, you know, this job, I, can I just re-gift that? Can you give me better land? This marriage, this, this family, this, this life situation. And, and I mean, I, some of you are in intolerable life situations. And I don't want to make light of that. I, I want to be empathetic with that both in our bodies and our minds and our souls and our finances, and our family situations and our marriages. But, but the heart of this is to trust that where the Father placed you, He doesn't want to kill you. He actually wants to give you resources to thrive. And I've started to pray this prayer in areas that feel like the rolling hills of the parched land. Instead of saying, please can I re-gift them? Please give me something else. Give me another job. Give me another city. Give me a different neighbor. Give me a different intellect. Give me a different gifting. Rather saying, Lord, thank you. Since you've given me this, won't you give me springs of living water? Won't you give me power and resources to be able to thrive where you got me? Often prayer feels dry because we're praying for our circumstances to change rather than praying for power to thrive within our circumstances. Hello? That's why prayer feels... We hold out on God. Until you change this, I'm not praying anymore. And he's just saying, I'm not going to. I'm going to open up a spring. It's been the story of God. Remember Joseph in Egypt. He even called his first child Ephraim, for the Lord has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. <laughs> God is the God who can make us fruitful in the Negev. Open up springs, grateful insistence. And we see back in Luke 11, where Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer, and he teaches about this persistent neighbor who has guests arrive late at night, like us to Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. And they've got no bread. They, they, they had no food. Definitely not Nikki. She has overfed us. But this neighbor, new host, surprised by guests from out of town, goes to their neighbor, bashes on the door. Hey, neighbor, neighbor, open up, open up. Luke 11 says, open up, open up. And the neighbor at first says, stop bothering me. And they just keep on knocking, seeking, asking. And it says, eventually, because of the neighbor's shameless audacity. Isn't that a beautiful description of prayer? Shameless audacity. The neighbor with the bread opens, not because the neighbor loves his neighbor or her neighbor, 
just because he's tired of getting bothered. And he says, here's the bread. Since I've got these neighbors from out of town, why don't you give me bread? Shameless audacity. God invites us to bother him in prayer. Isn't that beautiful? Some of you go like, oh, I think God's sick of my voice. No, actually, in that parable, God says, bother me. Make sure you're praying about the right thing, though. Don't necessarily bother God about a change of circumstances. But, Lord, I need bread. I need water. I need resources to be able to thrive here. Finally, what we see is that God loves to resource us wherever he calls us, but he waits for us to ask. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs, verse 19. What a generous father. She just asked for a spring, and he gives her two, upper, lower. He's able to give us exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or imagine. He knows what we need, upper and lower springs. What is your land of the Negev? What is it that you need to thrive there and be a blessing to others? The land could represent your life situation. The land could also represent what it is to follow Jesus as a disciple, obeying his commands. That can sometimes feel like the Negev. I mean, when last did you read the Gospels and hear Jesus talk about generosity and sexual purity and loving your neighbor and loving your enemy and turning the other cheek? And I mean, that sounds like, oh, as, the, as you say, too hard. Too hard. You know, you and I were not built to be able to follow Jesus in our own strength. We do not have the structural integrity for it. The commands of Jesus have us running back to Jesus for saying, if, if, if I'm to love my neighbor, love my enemy, be generous, be sexually pure, Lord, I, I need your power. Springs in the scripture from Genesis to Revelation always talk about the presence and power of God accessed by the Holy Spirit. Always. That's just the picture. The land could represent our fulfilling of the Great Commission. Remember Jesus before he, he left, he just said, you know, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost. He, he gave them the land rights. And then he says, but wait, but wait. You'll receive power from on high, and then you will be my witnesses. Giving you the land rights, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Adamost, Linbro Park, Santon, Alex, Joburg, Gauteng, beyond. Giving you the land rights, but actually you need water rights. You need the Spirit. Thank you for this land. How many of you want to re-gift this land? Place where you live. I mean, I lived here for seven years. Joburgers are famous for complaining about Joburg. And I know it's tough. It's not easy. But you know what? We travel a lot. And I find every single person thinks their city is the hardest city. <laughs> Just everyone does. And actually, the Lord has said, I've called you to be my witnesses here in this land, giving you land rights, but now come to me for water rights. Remember Jesus as he stood up in John 7 and says, if anyone is thirsty, 
Let him drink of me. And springs of living water will well up from your inner being. And John does a little commentary. He says, and Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit who would be given after he ascended. You say, why must I ask for the Holy Spirit? Why? Doesn't the Holy Spirit live in me? Like he's asking for the Holy Spirit because Jesus commands his disciples to ask for the Holy Spirit. He says, ask, seek, knock. How many of you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more does the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who? Why is Jesus saying that if the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives in every believer? Are we asking the Holy Spirit to come and jump inside us? No, we're not. But asking for the Holy Spirit is literally just asking the Holy Spirit who indwells us to then fill us. And that's a command. Be filled with the Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. But it still remains for us to ask for springs of living water to well up. I say, man, I, I ask for the Holy Spirit to fill me every day. I'm not trying to get him to jump inside me. I just know there's places in my life that are not yet full of him. I just say, oh, Lord, fill my emotions. Come and fill my weakness. Come and fill those wrong desires, the resentment, the bitterness. Come, come and fill my disappointment, my discouragement. Come and fill me, Holy Spirit. I need water rights. An invitation to ask. run out of time. So Lord, since I have these people listening to your word, give us also the springs of revelation. Lord, since we have this house on the street, give us also the springs of boldness and compassion to reach our neighbors. Lord, since I have this friend I'm trying to share the gospel with, this colleague, give me also a spring of wisdom to know where there's a need and how it can be filled. Lord, since I have this calling to pray for the sick, give me also a spring of faith. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill your people in fresh ways. We simply ask you to come. We say, Lord, we will die in this land without your living water. But thank you that to those who ask, you give the Spirit without measure. So we ask just invite you to bring before Jesus that place in your life that feels like the Negev. Thank Him for it. And ask Him for springs of living water, His power, His presence, to thrive and be fruitful there. Just bring it to Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
I'm just going to ask you to give us a couple more minutes. If you just sense a nearness of the presence of God, as you've asked, just a, a nearness of the presence of God, why don't you stand where you are? I'm not wanting to force anything, but just stand where you are if you, if you really sense a nearness of the presence of God on you as you ask for springs of living water. Why don't you stand? Lord, people standing are not better than people sitting. But thank you that you just sovereignly work on your people. And I, I just pray that you would come even more strongly upon your people, Lord. Come and strengthen. Come and give courage. Come and give endurance. Come and breathe faith again, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Mandy, won't you quickly come? This is Mandy. She's got a strong prophetic gift, and she felt something for someone in particular. Quite a sharp word. Go for it. I saw a picture of a filing cabinet. It had a name on it. It said um, Damien Dom. And it had all the things about him that he had done. And it was a, it's a filing cabinet of blame. And then I saw God's hand. And his hand is a hand of salvation that has come. And he doesn't have a filing cabinet on us, but he has a book of life. And the filing cabinet has been emptied out, and salvation has covered it, and it's silenced the blame. And I felt like God wanted to put his hand, and if, if, if you feel that's you, where you felt like, wow, I've been disqualified, and I can't move forward in things because there's anger there, because there's different things that I have done that holds me back from being who God has called me to do and move forward in this area. I felt like God wanted to encourage you, and I felt his hand is on you right now, and you know who you are, and you feel that. You feel his hands on you, but you feel, but I still see the filing cabinet. God is an author and perfecter of not the filing cabinet, but of the book of life that has come upon you through his son, Jesus. And now it's a different story. It's no longer a blame. And I felt like he wanted to remind you, I have qualified you not through your works or of your past, but through my son, Jesus, and his work. And his work has gone into the injustice of your past and the blood of Christ has now flown through the injustice, and the justice of Christ flows forward through you and has released you. And I felt like even now you feel that the scars that has kept you back, and God wants to release you now. And I feel his hands on you to push you forward and to restore the years that the locust has eaten. You almost watched your field being eaten. And you said, I can't do anything about it because I deserve that. But God is saying, no, I've taken what you deserve, and I put it on me. And no longer do you live under that shadow of the lies of the past, but I've released you. And I call you now forward. I feel like God is calling you. You actually know who you are. You know who you are, and you need to stop and repent and, and allow the release of salvation to fall upon you and to release you into things that he's given you. So your name may or may not be Damien, but... Um if that word, Mandy, stay there, won't you? If that word applies to you in some way, won't you, won't you come to the front and Mandy and the team would like to pray for you? That's a bold, it's a bold word, but won't you respond if you feel an aspect of that word applies to you? Thank you. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you. All right, I'm going to, wonderful.
Maybe, Johan, if you could get up on keyboard. Not that we need the keyboard for the Holy Spirit to come, but it sometimes helps. I am now going to ask those standing just to exercise something of faith. One of the most beautiful things is when we feel dry, God gives us grace to actually face on the, to help those who feel even drier. And grace flows one to another. I'm going to ask you standing, I'm going to take a risk to actually pray for folks sitting who are saying, I'm desperate for the springs of living water, but right now I feel zero. I feel nothing. And if you would not stand, but just put up your hand where you are. If you say, I, I, I'm desperate, keep, keep those hands up. Keep those hands up. Keep sitting, but keep those hands up. Thank you. So there's some people here, some people here, some people at the back. Thank you. People standing, why don't you just walk quickly to them. Place your hands. Ask them if you can place your, your hands on their shoulder. There's a lady here. We, we're just going to pray that the Holy Spirit opens up springs of living water through us. Some people at the back. Let's get some people praying for the people at the back. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your kindness. We thank you that we can ask, knowing that we are your sons and daughters, knowing that you hear us because of Jesus. And we pray in his name, not ours. And in Jesus' name, Spirit of God, we ask that you would fall afresh on your people. Come and encourage. Come and heal. Come and save. Come and deliver. Come and renew. Come and restore. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.